Breaker Breaker 10-4. Shafee, are you there? Come on back. I knew a guy who was like a songwriter and like a math, like had a math major. And I was like, can you just call him? Like you both live in California. You have all the excuses in the world. You write, you write songs for, you write songs for cartoons on TV. You, you've got a, you've written math textbooks, like call Tom Lehrer, please. And he was just like, I'm fine. And I'm like, I, that's okay. It's no problem. You know, I'll just. I'll just keep forcing people to try and live out my dreams vicariously. That's okay. So anyway, Totsie Totsie. Night has fallen on a beautiful evening in Austin, Texas. Uh, we, we reversed the introduction a little bit today here on One Magical Hour. I'm Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular and the reason that we did that is we're really excited uh we noticed that just as we were getting going we heard the the ding 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 of the custom of the uh, pedestrian crossing just down the tracks from us and we know that, that means that our friend is about to drive by in his maintenance truck on the commuter rail tracks and here he is yes that was tricky, the way the lights work. It looked to me if I was through this for a second, I was like, is he coming from the other direction? <laughs> that would really blow my mind. And she just drove by. And that means that it's Tuesday night. And it's a nice 55 degrees thereabouts, 50 degrees. And it's uh, it's, it's really the kind of night that reminds you why you live, why you live in Texas, you know? There are those problems uh, in August, where it becomes brutally hot, and uh, yeah, the summer here can can feel like an assault an assault on your existence, but uh, but not so tonight. Now tonight it's just it's just perfect here this February, and it's time for episode one twenty seven. Was one hundred twenty seven of one magical hour? It it's uh it's it's so great to be here with the man who has mandibles like the predator. The pride of Tarzana, California. The Montserrat Mistaker and the Martinique Mistaker. He's not a bad guy. <laughs> He's just a guy experiencing badness. Uh, and that's a... Uh, He's just a guy who once had a copy of Michael Jackson's Bad. He's Matthew Ramby. Hello, Matthew. I know you really want to tell me goodbye. I know you really want to download no more. Shavy, you could never look me in the eye. Yeah, you buckle with the weight of the words. Stop dragging guy. Stop dragging guy. Stop dragging podcasts around their guitar. It goes out to you. And all the Stevie Nicks lovers of the world. Welcome to episode 127. Is that right? Can you believe it? Uh, I can't. I was having a discussion today with uh, Uncle Ike. And it was posited that no one really hates Tom Petty. Now, Tom Petty's is no one's obsession. There's no, there's no uh, deadhead equivalent of Tom Petty lovers. Nobody, 
like just is, no, Tom Petty's nobody's favorite, I don't think. But I also don't think that uh, anybody really hates Tom Petty. Do, do, I don't know. I could be wrong. Point counterpoint. I'm trying to think. I don't. I can't think of anybody who I've been in who leaps out uh, and you know told me, "Oh, I'm just I'm obsessed with Tom Petty." Um, you don't know anybody who's got right. like a everybody, Tom Petty poster on their wall or anything, right? Everybody yeah. likes likes yeah, him. Everybody and I, kind of likes they, Tom Petty. They must be out there. They, you know, your Tom Petty heads. There must be a few of them. <laughs> but you've never met one. Uh, and you never come across one in your bar, necessarily. No, right? yeah. And I, you know, I've talked nobody, to a lot of people about music. Nobody ever comes in the bar and goes, put on some Petty. I, but everybody gets excited when you do put it on. But everybody enjoys it. Uh, you, did you know I saw him play? I hope that this is like the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody <laughs> hates it. <laughs> Nobody any. loves it. No, but don't do. put it on. We, don't download. We definitely do have a, a handful of super fans out there. Good, good. Um, people good because I don't want to get into that Tom Petty area of mediocrity. The fact that I was just thinking, like, milk toast pettiness. The fact that we have created some fans. Of Luke and Andrew through this podcast, you know, like uh, you Ellen. think that's our greatest achievement? It's just it means something. Okay, like, we're, like we've kind of given okay. back. People, people have enjoyed this podcast so much. Like, like I need more of this in my life, and then they've gone out and found Luke and Andrew's podcast too. You know, I feel like we've contributed something to the whole community, and that's. I think that that's an example of you know sort of. Rabbit or obsessive fandom. You're okay. gonna go out and it's like I gotta listen to more. I gotta listen to TBTL. I gotta listen uh, to UID. I see. I see. Just to be clear, though, my goal, my goal here is not to turn anybody on to TBTL. <laughs> it's to make you a fan of OMH. But uh, if you if you also end up listening to, of course, those guys are, get paid by the uh, lovers and listeners of public media. You know. Yeah. Um, they're sponsored by a, APM, a, American a, Public yeah, Media. And, and, you know, so, so hey, American Public Media, if you're looking for like uh, Joni Loves Chachi of TBTL, <laughs> <laughs> we got a spinoff right here. I did the Tom Petty track and, you know, we were recently talking about Weird Al and how uh, that th- this is, that's a song that Weird Al parodied, Stop Dragging My Car Around. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know? Do you know that one? It's like about a tow truck driver, and um, um, so now I've parodied one of Tom's songs, and I parodied one of Al's songs of Tom's songs, and um, you know, it's possible that we might get to talk to Mike Sammons later in the evening. And I was doing a little, a, a little precursory dive on his internet presence, as I I love to do of our. Uh, all of our guests and I just scroll was scrolling on his Twitter. He doesn't have a ton of tweets, but there was one from January 22nd, 2021 weird Al Yankovic cover band question mark, which I think is a fantastic idea, Mike. (laughs) I'm going to retweet that right now. I I don't, I don't tweet a lot either. Um, Another thing I wanted to talk to Mike about and his internet presence is his um, his Instagram. Where did it go? I know I, I was I was looking at it earlier, so it, it'll be in my history. Oh, history! Um, there's a really interesting thing about Mike Salmon's Instagram, but for the listener, 
Mike Sammons is a, a, a sort of college buddy. Yeah. You guys met at U of H, at right? U of H, yeah. Uh, of Schaefer's. Uh, is he from Houston? He's from Corpus. Okay. He's from South Corpus Texas. Christi. That Y'all have that in common. Yeah. And um, he and Schaefer and Mike opened a bar together. We did, yeah. Um, Mongoose versus Cobra. And longtime friends. And we were hoping to um, – Mike is actually the guy talking about turning on people to TVO, TBTO. Yeah. As referenced in the previous episode, Mike turned you on yep. to TBTL and you turned me on. So there's Mike's some, my TBTL daddy. We're like, this is like the podcasting human centipede. Mike's uh, Mike's former writer, Die Gretchen, is my TBTL granddaddy. Okay. Okay. Gretchen got Mike into it. Gretchen well, is like a 10, 12 year. 12 years back, oh, yeah. she's been listening for a long time. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, I a thing I find fascinating about Mike's Instagram is that he has 570 followers and he has six posts. How do you do it, Mike? Like, the, the numbers on that have got to be great, right? If you scale that up, I mean, I don't do math. But it's like a hundred, right? You know, if you for every one post, if you like, gain a hundred followers, Instagram by the time Instagram became big, he already had thirteen Celsius open, so they would have just made a thirteen Celsius Instagram, right? And they people and then, follow him, sure, yeah. Um, but he has a good internet presence. I I looked up some other things. I it reminded me of the time that you guys were together in Southern Living. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's true. That really happened. Interesting. Yeah, that enough. really happened. Interestingly enough. Do you know the whole story on that? No, but um, God, I wish we had some place where we could tell that. Without <laughs> it was actually uh, just like a few months after we opened the Mongoose, and it was a quiet Sunday afternoon, uh, and I was bartending, just kind of chilling with uh, you know, a handful of regulars. Just you do your thing. You do yeah. your bartending thing. Having fun. This guy came in and he ordered uh, the uh, bratwurst, which we made the bratwurst with kimchi. Um, and then we had these kind of uh, proprietary walnuts that this, uh, that this, uh, sorry, not walnuts. The proprietary uh, walnuts. Hazelnuts. Ah. That this uh, importer there in Houston would get for us. Okay. They're very salty and. They're they're really good, and they kind of we served those with the kimchi bratwurst. The guy was so the guy was sitting there. He was eating them. The guy was just like going nuts. He was like, "This is so interesting." You know, I I took him through some beers and stuff. You know, and we were just having fun. I had the time to give him you know the whole treatment. Uh, and he was you know from out of town, so it's from his African American gentleman from. Uh, I want to say Alabama or something or Georgia maybe, and uh, it turned out that he was a scout oh. for Southern Living okay. magazine, okay. and he had he had been going somewhere else and just driving through. He was driving through town in his rental car, and he had noticed the place. Mongoose is just a pretty striking it's building, a distinctive building. So he was like, "I'm going to check this out." He came in, you know, he had the bar. He's like, "This is incredible, man." Uh, he's like, "I've had so much fun here today." He's like, "I'm going to send." somebody here to, to do a story on you guys. And I was like, cool, you know, that's, and if there, it was about six, six, maybe eight months afterwards that, uh, that we got the call and then like the guys came and talked to me a little bit about it. 
um, and then uh, took a picture of it. And at the, at the time, you know, we were fans of this poem by Al Purdy called that the Quinty Hotel. And uh, Mike had scrawled it on the back wall, like in this kind of madman's handwriting uh, back above the bar taps behind the bar. And uh, so the lady from Southern Living, she asked me, she was like, what can, what's an insider thing that nobody knows about the bar that you can tell? And I was like, well, not many people know that that weird writing on the back of the bar is actually a poem by the Canadian poet Al Purdy. Uh, I call that the Quinty Hotel. And so, like, it's definitely the first time that... And uh, Al Purdy is kind of like Canada's Charles Bukowski, like the hard-drinking, hard-partying, bohemian poet. Uh, so it's definitely the Al first Purdy time that Southern, Southern Living Magazine uh -huh. had referenced Al Purdy. <laughs> and that uh, kind of all happened through us. So that was... That was really fun. Partially because it's a very northern thing, and then also partially because it's obscure in counterculture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really just not the type of thing that would normally cross the... Uh, and so that was really fun because oh, Was years, that mentioned in the article? Uh, yeah. Was it, was it, was it the, just an internet piece? No, it was It was, it was in a, a... It was also in the... Yeah, in I have a hard copy printed somewhere. Copy. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. And I remember being very excited about this. Years later, like, my like stepmom would get a hold of me and, you know, some friend of hers would be in, like, a dentist's office. And, you know, you're like, oh, I just came across that. Uh, Discover Al that, You know, I think it's your, uh, you know, your oh. stepson. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Discover y'all, yeah. And they would, yeah, they would also, by extension, uh, learn a little bit more about Al Purdy. So that's really fun. There was one more thing about that Southern Living article that I... I found interesting. Why, how, why am I not finding those same things when I pull it up? Um, vamp. Yeah. Vamp. Uh, <laughs> Do you remember early in this in this podcast when you used to be like Rampy Vamp? Yeah, I do. Oh the, wow, look at those young the, cats. There's some there's some young guys in a video. Still on a page here on the Southern Living website, and um, but the the most interesting thing <laughs> is the transcript. Hello, welcome to Mongoose versus Cobra. My name is Schaffer Holt, and I'm Mike Fitzsimmons. <laughs> <laughs> and today we're gonna make a classic cocktail for you called the Last Word. I won't read the whole uh, <laughs> the transcript. I just thought that they it was that funny. It was funny that oh, they had that they had gotten your names wrong. Yeah, that's in really the transcript. Good. Uh, hearing the hearing well disabled. I mean obviously there was just a machine that was yeah. translating that uh, oh well, well I guess we could compare that what does that sound like here we go hello welcome to Mongoose versus Cobra my name is Shaper Hall I'm Mike Simmons and today we're going to make for you a classic cocktail because you guys are word. jacked up right <laughs> uh, we're probably a little bit a little bit tuned up we had so much fun. We had a really aggressive uh, PR person, so she was uh -huh. constantly having me do things, and like, and I would always like kind of put a little twist on them. Like, she was like, "Oh, they want to have you on morning television to make a cocktail," and so I was like, "All right, I'll do that. I'll make the redheaded stranger." Yeah, the redheaded stranger. I was like, "I'll make the redheaded stranger. We'll play the song Redheaded Stranger." You know, so Stacy and I did that on the on the guitar and performed it, um, but we also did we did another one for a different news show. And I made the Roy Orbison, but I didn't dress as Roy Orbison, oh, like oh, in yeah, Roy yeah, Orbison's yes. character. Uh, so I was always doing fun things like that. That reminds me of your 
of your audition for the German anime. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> where you were also putting a little more on it, and, and your and your PR person was like, uh, "Could you not put on the Roy Orbison costume?" And you were like, "Lady, this is how you make the drink." Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I mean they they love that though because you know, like those sections can be kind of boring. You know, it's like just another. You no, know, I'm sure that you spiced it. You spiced up. I'd like to introduce Schaefer Hall. He spiced up many a morning show. When I, they just were like, when I would say like, <laughs> I was thinking I would do it like this. They were like, yes, that's incredible. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, if we're lucky, we're going to get a hold of Mike Salmon's on the telephone later this evening. Hopefully, later, maybe this episode. No right? problem. Mike's been super busy. Mike uh, is the GM and just opened up. Justine's in the French Quarter in New Orleans. Oh, so I see. Justine's, for those of you who don't know One Magical Nations, Justine's is a super cool, super popular French bistro here in Austin. It's been, you know, kind of one of the like coolest and fanciest places here in Austin for a couple decades that now. That's why I have never been there. Uh, I think. Yeah. Cool, fancy. Uh, Manish took Milton here when Milton was in town. Manish took Milton to Justine's. Justine's, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you go along? No, I did not. I was, <laughs> yeah. I was closing up the bar. The bar had been open for one day at that point or something. I see. So, right. Um, but I have been to Justine's before. It's you cool. Have? Okay. Yeah. Um, really, really good food. Um, some of the, one of the guys kind of in charge of the kitchen at Justine's is married to one of the Wolf Sisters, you know, who have that little shop across from the bar. Oh, okay. The Wolf Collective, yeah. you know? Yeah. I can't remember if it's the one who does the videography or the one who does the floral stuff or the one who does the jewelry, but um, anyway. That's three sisters? Yeah. Oh, creative family. Yeah. Uh, and then that guy turns out, in another weird South Texas connection, that guy, uh, my uncle was, that guy was a, I think he made it to Eagle Scout. He was a Boy Scout. And my uncle was his troop leader down in Mission, Texas, which is Whoa. way down in South Texas. Wow. And it's funny, like that. They grew up, somehow we started like talking about that. And they're like, oh, yeah. You know, I mentioned Uncle, anytime I meet somebody from down there, I mentioned Uncle Jeff and his family because, you know, their kids all grew up there. And so we always put together, like John Halligan, our friend, you know, took my cousin to prom. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh. And, and every time, so every time I mention huh. somebody knows somebody South in there, huh. Jeff Haley, like, oh yeah, your uncle was my scout leader. Huh. So that's wow. hilarious. Uh, anyway, so Mike's been super busy in the last few weeks. They just opened up uh, the Justines in the French Quarter. He's in charge of the whole operation. Uh, uh, Phil, Phil Collins came the other night. Phil Collins <laughs> came to Justines? Yeah. Dude. Uh, so... Sounds like the place so, to yeah, be. They're, they're banging. We, we need to go visit him. That would be really fun. That would be fun. Yeah. We could do some podcasts from the road. That'd be, do a fundraiser? Yeah. Wait. So that we could pay our bill at Justine's? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, so we can go on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so we may or may not call Mike, is what you're saying. Yeah, well, we'll, well yeah, we're definitely gonna call. So, we'll definitely call him whether pre, he picks we are up. we are pre promoting calling Mike Sammons. On I, he's gonna enjoy this episode, whether he's you on know it what? or not. One Magical Nation, they're fans of ours. That means 
they're prepared for failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. They're, they're, they're ready for it. It won't be a surprise. Um, how about those Winter Olympics? I like it. I love the Winter Olympics. Did you see the Italian lady in the biathlon today? She, uh... No, I work for a living. She was. <laughs> All right. You're, you're just watching the biathlon in the middle of the day? I By have. Way, I love the biathlon. Absolutely my... You've heard it here, folks, right now. The biathlon, my number one favorite Olympic uh, uh, competition, winter or summer. The thing... Uh, I love it. The nice thing about being a bartender is you can watch the Winter Olympics at work. Okay, right. Of course. Um, of course. But also, I have... I meant, I've casted no aspersions. I have YouTube TV at my house. Ah. Do I say YouTube TV funny? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I, yeah. I, I stressed it. YouTube TV. <laughs> at my house, uh, which I really love. It, it no, has, YouTube TV. It has a lot of very esoteric sports <laughs> channels. And also, also has a very aggressive um, uh, DVR program okay. where when something like the Olympics is coming up, they'll like pop this menu up when you turn it on and be like, which of these Olympics do you want us to record? You know, oh. and, uh, oh, and then I need that. it's really cool. And it'll like, Shoot. it pays attention to what I watch. And it's like, oh, you know, it'll sometimes record things just because it thinks I might like, like, like a freaking like college volleyball final or something. Yeah. Be like, yes. Be like Schaefer. We know you like to watch college volleyball. Yeah, yeah, dig, set, <laughs> bump, whatever it takes. Yep. But so yeah, I have it set up for biathlon. I have it set up for curling. Of course, I love curling. I love curling too, and I'm. I haven't seen any. Let's yet. pre-promote next next Tuesday. I'll come loaded with curling talk. We will do a curling okay. episode if you want. I um, injured my knee. In the in January of 2010, and I had surgery on it in early February of 2010, and then the Winter Olympics came on, and doctors' orders. I was in this machine. I, I was supposed to be in the machine for eight hours a day, but I still needed to work, so I would go to work early, and I would come home at like three to get in the machine that would just bend my knee for hours. Wow. And I had I had a DVR and the Winter Olympics were on and I got real real <laughs> into <granular>. the curling. <laughs> yeah. It's that's All it, right, so it, 2010, that would have been It could have been the Vicodin. <laughs> Vicodin. Look, you look <laughs> maybe you didn't hear it here, but Vicodin and curling Hand in hand. I can see how yeah. that would be the case. Yeah. Um, 2010. Uh, that was uh, those gals. I can never remember their names. There were some sisters from Minnesota. They were gone by then. Did that 2010? Was that when there were the like the Norwegian girls with the purple hair? Um, it doesn't ring a bell, but again, Vicodin and curling. Yeah. Hard to remember. A lot of and then uh, granular was, details. Yeah, I was still in New York. I was definitely I, no, watching. No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I don't remember purple hair, but not. I don't remember a lot from that time. Uh oh. 
Schaefer just looked at his phone and started laughing, so I'm assuming we don't have a guest tonight. No worries. We got plenty of content. You're like, where's the content? Were we done talking about the Olympics? <laughs> Schaefer, Schaefer's texting. Um... <laughs> I want to just address something that was mentioned in the last episode was Dick Hall's internet bubble. Yeah. Do do you remember mentioning it? Uh Uh-huh. You said, you said Dick's internet bubble is very different from mine. Yeah. It's the, you know, hacker news, Y combinator, rationalist philosophy bubble. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, he follows these really cool blogs by like there's this guy, one of them's called Astral Codex. Is is it like is like Y Combinator? That's like business startup. Yeah, they do a lot of strategy and philosophy, right? Um there's there's a lot of that involved. Yeah. It's it's sort of like the kind of like the highly technical Silicon Valley version of Reddit. Oh. Um, but there's a lot more a lot more hacking stuff on there. Oh. Um and a lot of, but yeah, a lot of tech startup stuff too. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, and there's some interesting stuff. I check in on it every now and then, but I pretty much depend on Dick to like anything that comes across that he thinks I would actually be interested in. I depend on him to send that to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I only mentioned it because all of those words were, well, in some of them individually, I understood them, but. Um, I kind of had to look up some of that stuff just to see what Dick's internet bubble. And definitely, I'm not in that bubble either. Um, so if he could just keep us abreast of all those things, you know, Hacker News, Y Combinator, yeah, y combinator can... <laughs> stuff, Rationalist, rationalist Philosophy. <laughs> rationalist. We need to get him to come on and just talk about those. Like, Eliezer, can you explain to me what Rationalist Philosophy Yudkowsky. is? Yeah, it's Yeah. It's like, just give me a primer on that. Do I say primer funny? It's, uh, yeah, it's these guys who, you know, it's sort of like trying to apply, uh, it's, you know, kind of the, the hard, uh, the hard, uh, data, you know, the, the kind of scientific ideals Apply those to like kind of philosophy and politics. Okay, is how I described I'll, it. Okay, I like that. That sounds appealing to me. Yeah, it's uh, it's really. I, ne- I just never really had heard those those terms all smashed together like that. In philosophy, rationalism is the epistemological view that regards reason as the chief source and test of knowledge or any of you appealing to reason as a source of knowledge or justification. Uh, more formally, rationalism is defined as a methodology or theory in which the criterion of the truth is not sensory, but intellectual and deductive. You got your Rene Descartes, you got your Baruch Spinoza, you got your Gottfried Leibniz in the beginning, but then there's you know some people who kind of... Let me ask you, does, does any of that um, clash with my worldview? Or is that my worldview? Do you th- I'm asking you, you know how you can't really 
see yourself very well and you somehow times need the prism of your friends to distill yourself through? I don't think it clashes with your worldview. I don't know if you necessarily apply it. Mm. Um, yeah. But I think there's some metaphysical stuff that I'm into that flies in the face of all that, right? Eh, maybe, but they don't... The rationalists aren't necessarily here, against religion. They just, I, or maybe they well, started well, out that way. But I think that like there's this premise of not everything you perceive is real, right? Like, well, kind of what they're saying there is how you feel is not the most important thing. It's your You should have your rational mind in charge, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking that maybe I <laughs> I think the same thing but I maybe come to a different conclusion or deal with it in a different way. I don't know. I'm going to look into that. I'm pre-promoting my thoughts on that next time. <laughs> I it's funny. I learned a lot about rationalism um from a Kindle book that Dick sent me that was this guy, Eliezer Yudkowsky, as a way of promoting rationalism to the masses, rewrote Harry Potter it, as if Harry Potter had been raised by rationalists. <laughs> and, uh, and it's really, it's really quite, quite fun and good. Uh, it's fun, just a funny to even say that out loud. Uh, yeah, Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality uh, is okay. quite quite a fun read. Uh huh. <laughs> and there's yeah, there's old Elise. Yeah, so Elise, yeah, just big dork. And these guys are all like, you know, they're very tangled up in AI and singularity stuff. Um. So. I think I just use my rational mind in a different way than these people, maybe. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, definitely not. I don't not. think, I don't, they might not even see something wrong with that. No. Eliezer, Shlomo, Yudkowsky. Uh, and then there's this other guy, he does a thing called the Astral Codex. Is that anything like, um... Psycho history. Astral Codex 10. Uh, so yeah, Scott Alexander is his name. Oh, sorry. Slate Star Codex was the blog. And then that became Astral Codex 10. Uh, this guy, uh, Scott Alexander, he was really interested in futurism. and But he's, a, uh, he's also a clinical psychologist. Psych Psychologist, which is the one that requires a degree? Uh, psychiatrist. Clinical psychiatrist. Um, and so he. Oh, no, a psychologist requires a degree as well, right? Uh, okay, this, according to his Wikipedia page, he's a San Francisco Bay Area psychiatrist. Yeah, a psychiatrist is um, more serious. They're applying medicine to it. A psychologist is, just wants to talk to you about it. He started Slate Star Codex in 2013, and it was discontinued in 2020. 
because he was worried he was going to get doxxed. Uh, New York Times was going after him, trying to figure out who he was because oh. he had been kept kept his kept his identity secret. So that anyway, he ended up uh, Wait, he ended up getting outed anyway, obviously. And then and, so, and why did why did he need anonymity on that? He just show? wanted it. He wanted to keep his personal life private. Um, a lot like us in the podcast. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like there's like a, there's a lot of people who you know take this stuff very seriously, and there there are people who kind of you know like he is a celebrity in a certain right. People are kind of you know, uh, people are. Uh, obsessed with him you know okay. uh, in, in certain circles so i think he wanted to just keep his try to keep his his uh <laughs> normal life as normal as possible um but anyway that obviously didn't work out uh new york times had it doxed him um you know whether they did something wrong or not that's the source of considerable debate they did dox him. yeah they even though they knew that he wanted to keep things keep himself anonymous they went ahead and outed him anyway just because and you know whatever it is public knowledge so hmm. uh you know that's kind of a that's kind of a, a a moral question to be debated right i'm quite sure that what we've learned here is that dick's internet bubble is way more cerebral <laughs> than it's, mine it's a very interesting inter- internet bubble indeed yeah you know i was looking up the cast of jumanji the other day (laughs) my internet bubble is arts and entertainment and a lot of uh celebrity nonsense and uh, i guess i i look at design stuff a lot a lot of artists uh, you know i've been following all these artists on twitter really enjoying that it's really elevated my twitter experience Taking my Twitter out of the shitter, if you will. Um, are you making show notes or are you texting? <laughs> I texted, you know, we were talking about how, you know, Mike's my TBHL daddy, Gretchen is my TBHL granddaddy. And I was wondering if, um, so I was wondering who Gretchen's TBHL daddy was. So it's kind of, I was in the process of texting her. Um, how, how did you find, uh, and then I started to talk to you about something and I ended up texting her, how did you find PP? Oh, <laughs> accidentally. Oh, well, oh, I see. I she see. Text, Is that what you were laughing about? Yeah, that's what I was laughing about. She, she texted back, underwhelming, what's PP, boo? <laughs> <laughs> and I texted, ha how did you find TBTL? Sorry. I'm literally recording a podcast right now. She said, I found TBTL so long ago that they were on terrestrial radio. Oh, right. And I said, wow. Uh, They talk about that from time to time. Yeah. WBRU or... um, So, but she says maybe she found, maybe through This American Life, she kind of, uh, you know, heard like, heard them talking about... uh, other stuff. So she listened via the MP3s that she would download from the radio's website when, yeah, before the TBTL was even a podcast. Mm. Yeah. Lived on 66 in Harrisburg and had to take a lot of trains to work. So she listened to a lot of Luke and Jen. Oh, that's the right. Yeah. Okay. 
So that's pretty cool. Well, she's been with it for a long time. A long time. That is cool. You know, you would think that someday somebody might be with OMH that long, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> I'm glad to hear what you were texting about. Yeah. Uh, because I, was, I really wondered what was going on. It was there. podcast related. <laughs> yeah. Um, and now I'm going to text Mike and see if he can hop on. We've got a yowls in the meantime. I was talking to some jabroni the other day. Uh, I can't remember who. <laughs> it came up at work. <laughs> Somebody said something about down the pike. Yeah. And then I suggested that maybe that's not the actual turn of phrase. Yeah. Uh, no. No. Somebody said down the pipe. And I said, uh, I think it's down the pike. Okay. And... Um, thus spawned a conversation about which one is it we've been doing a lot of these lately i feel like on yow's we we did probably down the the pipe first (laughs) no sir no no it was not down the pike is how it started okay yeah coming down the turnpike right coming down the turnpike the original phrase down the pike means in the course of events or in the future pike here is short for turn fright turnpike and the phrase refers metaphorically to something coming from further down the road right now recently it's always recently with these how it's changed you know it's been mistaken as down the pipe i like how this there's a picture of (laughs) there's a picture of mario here going down the pipe um Turnpikes are relatively rare these days, and in the pipeline has a similar meaning, referring to things to come. Sure, this is from yeah. MiriamWebster.com. Yeah. Um, so this is a bit like what we were talking about with uh, flipping the bird or flicking the bird. Mm-hmm. Is there's sort of an original usage, hone in and home in are are similar too. Oh yeah, yeah. That like. A term falls out of fashion, but it's so similar to a newer turn of phrase or a term that that you're able to just kind of switch it out. Hone in. <laughs> hone in makes more sense to me than hone in. I know, but but ho- I hone, think but you one, don't hone in. I think once again, hone in is like the original. I'll be damned. Saying so, you know, you know and, this, and yeah, pipes. There have been pipes for longer than there have been turnpikes. There have, but I, I think that the it, it definitely comes from the origin of, of down the pike. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Don't take my word for it. Take the word of my friend Miriam. Miriam Webster. I mean, Miriam do they have Webster. the first usage of each that they found? Could, they've got confusion with down the pipe. Um. There's a downright in Middle English. The turnpike was resolving was a revolving frame studded with spikes that served as a barrier, preventing traffic, presumably a horse, from advancing until the driver paid the toll. Oh, okay. As chief roads that connected cities and towns before highways, turnpikes brought untold and unforeseen things: visitors, freight, opportunity. So the use of down the pike to describe the arrival of un- of the unknown makes sense. I got it. Yeah. 
Now there's the confusion with down the pipe. The unfamiliar use of pike might partly explain why we sometimes see the phrase rendered as down the pipe. And now we've got the phrase, the pipeline and everything. And everything. Is that how I finish sentences? <laughs> and everything and all. <laughs> and uh, I was, you know, I've been listening to the show pretty regularly now. You've been listening to this show? Yeah. Excellent. I've I, been. I, please keep it up. I think it improves the show when we listen to the I think the show. it does. You're right. And, uh, but it's just interesting to me to really note and like, sorry if this is just, you know, me tooting our horn, but how much better we are than, I'm not saying we're good, but how much better we are than that first 10 I, to 20 episodes? I think we're 117 times better than episode 10. I say the word, uh, so much less these days. It is I still amazing. say it, unfortunately. But but you only say it when we throw it to you and you're unprepared yeah. and you're on your phone about something, really. <laughs> texting with other than that. <laughs> I'm texting with Mike's ex wife. You <laughs> are able to deliver it without the uh it's just progress. Yeah. It's really a triumph of the human spirit. Yeah, you know, it helps. Not necessarily my spirit or yours, but It helps that we started cold. Like, those first ones are just about as bad as a podcast could possibly be. Are they? I think so. (laughs) I think, yeah, probably the first one, at least. Oh, the first one is terrible. The second one is significantly better than the first one. Is it? I think so. I don't know. I think the first one was better than the next four. Oh, really? Well, but not that I've listened to any (laughs) of them. In a long time. Um, we still, yeah, we need to. You and I, like on a weekend, maybe a Sunday, you and I need to sit down and and just create a, uh, a Greatest Hits episode. Just find like the funniest bits from those early days. I'm thinking <laughs> at episode 300. Okay. We're definitely going to do maybe maybe 200. I want to take us to a little bit of real talk. I don't know if oh this, I don't know if this is I don't know if this is Matthew's minutia. This is really Matthew's minutia that's going to spill right over into just real talk. So okay. we we've my, my daughter has been applying to middle school magnet programs, mm. and that's been a big thing in our house for a couple of months. Mm. And um, she got in to one of them. We applied for Ann Richards Academy for Young Girls, which is there. There's Keeling and there's Lively. These are two kind of older schools. One is on the east, one is on the south side. They have great, both have great magnet programs. And then we applied for Lamar Fine Arts Academy in Visual Arts which entailed like putting together a portfolio, going and doing a uh, an interview, you know, a whole thing. The yeah. other ones, it was like grades, test scores. For the Keeling and Lively thing, there was an, an essay test that was proctored, timed, essay prompt, write the essay, turn it in. Both of those also had videos that you had to record about yourself and why you wanted to be in the Magnum program. and. Mm-hmm. Ann Richards wanted a letter. It was all very rigorous stuff that we that we did and we put together. 
And this has been the week where we found out. And I'm happy to say that Isabel got into Keeling and Lively, actually. But her first choice was Lamar Fine Arts, which mm. I am discouraging a life in the arts for obvious reasons. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and her second choice was Ann Richards Academy for Young Ladies because she's tired of boys and she, you know, that she's that she, that appeals to her because that's basically sixth grade through high school. Oh wow! It's, yeah. it's six years of school and it's great, great program. Um. But we got into Keeling, and I, I had gone to the Keeling showcase with her, and it was fantastic. And I want to go to Keeling. Wow! I mean, so great. What they've got a, they've got a storytelling program that the teachers' room is like full on Harry Potter. The whole room. Wow! They've got a music lab, a music recording studio lab, where with Max and Ableton stations, they have great Steam stuff. They have great science. Uh, labs they have a coding program and they have everything they've, they've got all the sports and they've got a great art program too like she's she's gotten into keeling she's i think it's it's going to be great yeah she's disappointed mm. she's she's crestfallen all of her friends at the elementary school here they're going to lamar most of them are are, are in the lamar district so whether they got into the fine arts program or not they're going there i uh, gotcha and, and i had a very similar disappointment in Lubbock, Texas, there was the magnet programs, yeah. the GT or whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. And in, in Lubbock, there everything funneled into two junior highs. That's what we called it, not middle school. Yeah. And one high school, Lubbock High. You missed out on all this because you moved from Houston. Were y'all in the Hutch District? No. Did you have to test into that? Yeah. Uh, Schaefer went to JT Hutchinson. I went to OL Slayton. Those were the two junior highs in Lubbock that had yeah for honors, reason, magnet, advanced know, I, placement, whatever you want to I call it. I was in the Spiral program, which was their magnet program in Houston, and they let me because I was in that. They let me into the magnet the, program. Okay, and there, I think I'm sure I had to take a test or two. But. I see. Well, it, I remember in, this is, but this was a problem for me moving around because uh, I went, you know. Between first and twelfth grade, I went to like nine different schools oh. in seven different towns. You know, and sorry, in one, two, three. Anyway, a bunch of different schools. And when I would move to a different school district, like sometimes they wouldn't let me just based on my other thing. They wouldn't let me immediately try to test into the. They're like, no, you got. He's got to do some time in the with you know with the masses, and we'll see how he does. If he does well, then we'll test him into the program. Mm. So, but, so that's kind of a problem. Like I would end up, you know, just like having to prove myself uh, over and over and over again. <laughs> it's something like, I've always kind of thought this about myself. I think, you know, when people first met me, me and me, I can come off as a real like meathead or doofus. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Dave's kitchen. We were 15. <laughs> Not uh, a meathead, not a doofus. But uh, I, uh, I, uh, you, I don't know. But uh, this is like the prism of yourself through your friends. You are not a doofus. Sir. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, and I, you know, and I know that. But I, <laughs> I, I think you know, I can be like maybe a little too quiet and a little, you know, a little too kind of go with the flow at the beginning. That's just on the podcast. But. <laughs> uh, 
So yeah, sorry, I don't remember. I kind of interrupted you. Okay, now. so I did get. I went to Lubbock por- ninth the, grade. I went to Hutch, and that was cool. And you were at OL. Is that I right? was at OL. We didn't meet. Dave introduced us. My friend David Blackwell, who was that at would OL. probably be in tenth grade. I, I guess because I didn't even know Dave in the ninth grade. Oh, you didn't. Yeah. Okay. Well, then maybe then it, it probably yeah because I moved to Arlington for high school, and yeah. I guess it was probably the that summer between tenth both the, the between tenth and eleventh and eleventh and twelfth I came back to Lubbock for the summer. So yeah, it would have been it would have been that <clears throat> that time. It, uh, um, but yeah, I think we were. I guess I'm. I guess we were sixteen. I guess I was sixteen. Um, Anyway, it was disappointment for Isabel. She didn't get her first choice. I didn't mean to say my kid's name on the podcast. But, <laughs> um, my kid didn't get her first choice, and I didn't either. I, whatever the matrix, there was a matrix. That's what they talked about in sixth grade. It was like your grades and what, blah, blah, blah. And and I applied. I wanted to go to Hutch. I wanted to go to JT Hutchinson. And I got assigned to OL, and I remember being absolutely crestfallen. Now, one of my good friends from elementary school, Ramsey Abarca, his dad was the principal at OL, and he chose OL. Yeah. And I chose Hutch and got sent to OL for whatever reason. But And that was the right path for me, you know? like Yeah. There were some cool there, kids. David Blackwell. There, Chris Bullock. Chris Bullock. Chris Chris Carroll. Zach Vinoy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Annie Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, who I took to homecoming in uh, ninth grade, uh, or in tenth grade. Uh, Christian Harding. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember Christian Harding? But Christian Harding, Natalie Mains no, of Christian the Dixie Harding Chicks. Was it, was it Hutch? Not in no. In seventh grade, he, in ninth grade, he was at Hutch. And in, in seventh and eighth grade, Christian went to OL. I think they moved into the Hutch district or something. I I don't know. And Natalie Mains, I don't think I ever crossed paths with her. Natalie Maines of, of the Dixie Chicks was was a, yeah she she maybe graduated early and something like that or yeah. no I think actually she was a Lubbockai in tenth grade Ebdi Samataya. Anyway, my point is, we all have these times in our life when it doesn't turn out how we want it to turn out, and we often find out that that was for a reason, you know, and it's really hard seeing your kid disappointed and and knowing that i went to the showcase for keeling and it is awesome (laughs) i want to go to keeling i definitely i'm looking forward to hearing more about this it also it feeds into lhasa which is like the steam college track high school here it's it's great and you know isabel is is gonna succeed is gonna excel no matter where she absolutely all right uh Mike Sammons is expecting our phone okay, call. Okay, great. Well, let's give him a call. This is why I did this one tonight. Is that is that as loud as your phone goes? Yeah. This is Mike. There he is. There he is. There I am. Mike, how's it going, buddy? Thanks. Hi, it's going well. I'm so, I'm so glad we had that had the time to chat. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you too, Shaysa. You've been very busy. Why have you been busy? 
So the party's okay. getting started there now? Yeah, it started basically on, uh, it started on Thursday. They have a insane, like, parade called Chewbacca's, which basically, which I knew nothing about, but basically it's where people dress up like Star Wars creatures, primarily Chewbacca, <laughs> and uh, apparently take a bunch of acid and uh, do this, like, crazy parade and everything's I'm, I'm and, really uh, sorry to have missed this. Why one. have we never attended <laughs> that? How how does that affect business at Justine's? You, so let's just let the listeners know. Mike is the GM at Justine's, which is a French brasserie. They had one here in Austin, and now they just opened the one in the French Quarter. And Mike's in charge of that now. How does uh, does uh, does Mardi Gras radically increase the number of weirdos who are hanging around? Yeah, well, first of all, man, I have to be clear. They, they are not related in any way. Those restaurants, the two restaurants are not related. Um, they're owned by a totally different group of people. Um, but they're very, very similar in concept. And in fact, both of them are aware of each other. And, uh, uh, yeah, they, they're very much very similar. But, yeah, uh, of course. Um, I, I mean, I'm right off of Canal. I'm on, on Charter Street. So it's, like, kind of the heart of, um, of the French Quarter. So, yeah. I mean, things things have already started getting extremely weird. I mean, you see things like, uh, you know, I mean, like somebody, the thing about New Orleans right now is it's weird because there's no cops. Yeah. There's no ambulance. So if anything happens, like you're kind of just screwed. There's no... Uh, is that just because they're underfunded or... Yeah, and like half, well, yeah, um, half of the police force basically quit. And, uh, and, uh, and of course, uh, New Orleans doesn't want you to know that. Um, so they, they kind of keep it quiet, but wow. yeah, I mean, if there's a problem, like we had a, an issue a couple nights ago and I called 911 and no one came. They basically just said, uh, yeah, we're not coming. We're not coming for that. Which is just like, you know, I had a group of like five, like honorary and drunk guests who were just like being crazy. And, uh, you know, <laughs> there's nothing I could do about it. Really. It's, it's, it's kind of like living in like Beirut in the 1980s. So you and a couple of waiters just had to oust them out of there or what? Yeah, basically. Wow. I, uh, I had to, yeah, I basically just grabbed this guy by the neck and <laughs> threw him outside, like old school. Yeah, I was going to say, you and, I have, you and I have been in some situations like that before. Um, yeah, I'm, but I, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry you have to deal with that while uh, dealing with all the other stresses of starting a, starting a new restaurant. That's bananas. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. But, you know, the good thing about it is it's made me realize that uh, I'll not be doing this for the rest of my life. It's, it's just too much. It's crazy. The quarter is just a place that should not exist in the world. I mean, it's, it's great to visit, but God, it's just, it's insane. I can see how it'd be tough. So like, do you feel safe, like walking around with this, uh, with this, uh, well, uh no, understaffed? no, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm getting better uh, about it because I know like, you know, like no one is such a small town. The thing is, is like, if you, if you venture off, of a main third, like a main street, like by one block, like you can find yourself into a really hard, difficult situation. I've already been mugged. I've had a gun pointed at my head. Oh, wow. Um, like, I mean, it's, and I, I figure that's like, I knew that was going to happen. Uh, I kind of think that's just, uh, I mean, when you're getting off, you know, of work really late and you're walking through the quarter, something's going to happen. Did like, your employers talk to you about this before you took the job? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, and when I told them about it, they just kind of laughed. Uh, uh-uh. 
yeah, no one, no one really cares because I think it's pretty much happened to everybody in some way or another. But I don't know. I mean, it's okay. Like, I mean, I'm, a, I'm a fine. I was a little shook with the gun thing, but uh, yeah. I mean, whatever. It happens and you get over it. You know, it's no different than like, I mean, like you live in New York, and I mean, I'm sure you had incidents where you walk down the street and knew that you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know? Yeah, but no, you know. I was never mugged and no one ever pointed a gun at me. Maybe that's because I'm a, I am a physically imposing fellow. Um, yeah. Well, Mike's not a little guy. Yeah, you're not a little guy. That's true. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I am just like a, I'm kind of an easy target around uh, here. Yeah. They just think I'm a tourist, you know. I'm hairy and kind of scary looking. and I, Right. <laughs> Mike is very clean cut. Yeah. I don't, Mike, think, I don't think you're scary looking. Mike dresses nicely. And, yeah. Yeah, he looks like a fancy boy. People like I, w- I would mug Mike people if see, given the opportunity. People seeing me, you, you walk, hug me? Yes, <laughs> I I would hug you. I think okay, those are both. I'll take those. Both <laughs> I would hug you, Matthew would mug you. <laughs> You'd be mugged and hugged. No, if I'm walking down the street in the middle of the night and you see me, you can't really see very well. You're gonna have to look at me close to be like, is that person a hobo or not? <laughs> I think, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Or, or is that person Blanca from that video game? <laughs> Blanca from <laughs> Street Fighter. <laughs> Good reference. Or is it from Street Fighter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely have always uh, closely associated myself with Mike, Blanca. can I ask you a couple of uh, podcast-related questions? Yes. Um, do you recall turning Schaefer on to TBTL? Uh, he claims no, that you I, did. I guess I did. Yeah, I'm sure I did, but I don't actually recall that. Do you, Schaefer? I don't don't know. I do. Uh, It would be right. um, It would have been the first time you and I hung out after after I moved here from Houston. So, like, I think you and Lance came down. Oh, well, we we went to the show. That's probably when it happened. Oh, right. That's, yeah, that's exactly... Uh, it was a little bit before then, but yeah, that's, so you told me a few months, like, um, a few weeks in advance. Yeah. To check it out. Cause you were coming. That's exactly right. Yeah. What show, what show. yeah and what happened was that, is that my, uh, my ex-wife was supposed to, like, she was really excited about it, but then she had like a work again and she couldn't go. So I guess I, I either brought you or brought Lance. Both of us. Yeah. Or, yeah. But I mean. One of those tickets was supposed to go to her, was for her, but oh, she couldn't make it. So it was either Lance or you. I don't remember. And we just but, got um, another one. Either way, the funniest part about that was when, <laughs> was when <laughs> you remember you remember the musical guest was that guy uh, Shaky he, Graves, yeah, Shaky Graves, and uh, I think. <laughs> You and Lance went up to him and asked to take a picture. And he thought that you want to take a picture with him. But in fact, you just asked him to take a picture of the two of us. (laughs) 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 He's like, oh, oh, okay. Classic classic, classic spoof. Uh, Like, that guy's great. Like, not to say anything about that. He's good. Yeah. That night he did a cover of of like a Backstreet Boys song or something. Yeah, I did. But like, yeah. I'm not really familiar enough to, you know, I don't know a lot about it, but there's like, his version of it was really good, I thought. Like, I know. It, it was. <laughs> I, think, I forget. I think mean, it's one of the most popular songs, I forget, but I forget which one it was. But it was good. That guy's good. I like, I like him. He's fun. I need to go back and dig up that episode now, you know, whatever, seven years later. And I can well, just... TV, TV is interesting to me because it's starting to kind of 
I mean, that, but that's kind of the cycle of it, right? Yeah, I guess. It's like a love-hate relationship. I mostly love them, but sometimes I really hate them. Uh, um, one thing I noticed is that, like, look, I'm not saying anything at all. I'm just saying that, you know, everybody deserves, their, like, everybody's tributes to their own opinion. And uh, I think it's funny when you hear people talk about how they don't like Joe Rogan, they're definitely... They, 99% of the time, the people who have never listened to the podcast. Oh, oh yeah, they've never. Yeah. Right, yeah. That's and a I, big I, problem. I, yeah. I find that so amazing with, uh, with Luke and, uh, and Andrew You know, he does like he does give everybody their chance to talk. You know, yeah, and, yeah, that's, and I think that's yeah. but it is that's, it's exactly the same phenomena that people who don't like Howard Stern have never listened to Howard Stern. People who don't like Joe Rogan have never listened to Joe Rogan. Yeah, it's like they've already made up their mind before they even given it a chance, and like I thought that was the whole point of like media and like communication. And, you know. Like, why are we just making these blanket statements about things? And we just, oh, I'm not, I'm not into that. Well, have you ever actually listened to it? I, Mike, I agree with what you're saying 100%. Um, it, it, about this specifically, this topic specifically, specifically Luke's relationship with Luke and Andrew's relationship with Joe Rogan. Uh, I will say, you know, like if you're a big fan of TBTO, you spend what about ten hours a week, you know, yeah. with them, like, like listening to them talk. And I was, yeah. you know, if you listened to 10 hours of conversation with me a week, I think that some, uh, some inconsistencies in my philosophies are going to pop up too. You know? yeah, that's, a, that's a good point. That's a good point. And that's true. I think that's true for everyone, not just you. And C certainly for me, I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I, don't, I couldn't imagine, like, from one day to the next, like, I changed my mind about everything. Mike, so I shan't, true. I shan't list your, your hypocrisies here. <laughs> You'll be glad to so hear. I've got another podcast related question for me. Okay, um, Schaefer says that you predicted the breakup between yeah. Luke and I forget her name. Carrie off, and Carrie. Not only that, but he called it like a year in advance. Yeah, Mike. How, yeah, how did you, how did I'll you suss it. that out? Well, to be honest. I was kind of going through the same thing myself, so wow. <laughs> I could pick up on the nuances of that. Wow. And uh, it just, I don't know. It's just, uh, you you know, you see how um, there's a, there's something subtle about the way people talk about their loved ones. And, you know, sometimes you you can sense that they're, like, like Dr they're not drifting apart. Mike, yeah. was it helpful, like, in your kind of, you're going through kind of a difficult time to have him going through the same, like, did you find some comfort in that, or... No, but not really. But I did actually write him a, an email, and then I just erased it. Uh, <laughs> I just deleted it instead of sending That's it. That's how we was, imagine all of our listeners are doing us right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm, sure that's, I'm sure that's the case. They write us tons of emails. They just delete everyone. Tons of heartfelt emails. 
Hey, by the way, speaking of speaking of TBTL, could, could you guys start referring to me as uh, Chris Hayes? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you can be our Chris Hayes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'll be the official um, the day correspondent. I uh, I mean, I mean uh, yeah, our Brasserie correspondent, our Serge, oh, our Serge Gainsbourg correspondent. <laughs> yes. Hey, I thought you deleted that. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe we did. Maybe we didn't. Um. Uh. Yes, absolutely. We, you know, we talk about you a lot. You know, Mike. You know, as our. You know, the kind of the the daddy of this podcast. Via you know, uh, obviously the the recordings, the the podcast that you and I did briefly. But then, you know, yeah, you just, you know, helping me discover podcasts in general and podcasting. Um, so, yeah, you, you definitely come up, come up often. Um, that's, the, uh, oh, that's funny. I never, I never heard my name in Sean's show. But <laughs> I, I listen to you guys mostly when I'm driving back from, like, from Houston to New Orleans because, uh, you know, it's like six hours, seven hours. Sure. Uh, that's when I usually do some binging. Put you guys on. Yeah, I also listen to you in the shower, which I know is weird because that means I'm naked. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like us now. It's weird and sexy. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm naked. I'm naked right now. <laughs> but I'm walking down the street, so it's kind of weird. But, you know, oh, people used to... Tell us about where you're walking. We've got a real man on the street. Yeah, i got a man on, man on the ground, boots on the ground in the French Quarter. Well, so, all right, so I, I've got... I've been working so much, like, so... Like, my brain is dry. Um, and I got two days off and uh, $1,100 in my checking account. So um, two days off and $1,100 means uh, I'm going to blow all of it, probably on gambling. Are you going to go to um, Florabama? I might. TVD. Lovely this time of year. I love the Florabama. But, uh, no, it's a beautiful night. It's like 59 degrees. It's fucking, it's really nice. And, uh, I was just walking down to Frenchman Street to uh, maybe listen to a little bit of music and, you know, have a Topo Chico and chill out for a minute. Yeah. Um, but I also smoked a joint earlier, so there's that. Attaboy. Um, but, are, are you not yeah. drinking, Mike? No, no, I'm, I'm laying off the sauce for a little while. Yeah, yeah, wise, um, yeah. Which is, which is weird that I'm in New Orleans and I've decided to do that, but, um, right. you know, uh, it's kind of like, uh, it's fun. It's actually it's actually kind of easier uh, here because there's there's no there's no FOMO here like because you can do anything at any hour of the fucking day. Sure, yeah, um, that makes sense. And uh, also, like when you're walking down Bourbon Street and you see a bunch of fucking like intoxicated idiots, like, walking yeah, the worst of humanity. <laughs> it's like it, it doesn't it's not attractive. You know, it doesn't make you want to join them in any way. <laughs> and also, quite frankly, I think I've done enough of that in my life. Like I don't I don't really. I think I've exhausted the the beginnings and ends of uh, of that. So. You should uh, you should check out my program, the ten week taper. Ten year taper. I mean the ten year taper. Matthew's on a ten year taper. I'm on a ten year taper. I'm on year. Well, what is that? I'm on year eight. So well, it's it's just about getting your alcohol under control. You know, he's, he's slowly tampering over over it's, ten years. It's attractive. Because it seems pretty non-committal. Like it—it's uh, the ten-year taper. It's how to get off booze in one short decade. But that's the thing: is that you <laughs> say non-committal, but you have been very. I have. I have worked. I have worked this actually. program. Yeah, I, Mike. I'm down to two nights a week. I allow. Well, that's pretty, that's I, I allow myself 
some booze. I, of course, I like to drink with the podcast. I'm having a, I had a little vodka sipper and I'm drinking a, a coffee porter now, but, but I really, I'm, I've really changed my relationship to alcohol over the past eight years. And I'm, I, but, but I realize I'm coming to this like terminus where I, I can choose. Do I want alcohol out of my life for good? Or, or has the 10 year taper given me the power to just enjoy it when I want to in moderation? And I, I don't know. I think, I'm not sure what the, I think Mike and I'm not I sure have, what the end of that is. Mike and I have both. Let, let me, let me weigh in on that a little bit. Like, I think that at some point in your life, like, I think it's stupid to give it up entirely, but give it up for a little while just so you can like control it. But like, what the fuck is wrong with having a glass of wine with dinner? You know, like right. you should, you should do that. I think that's a good thing. That's like, that's like a good thing for your life, but don't let it get to you. Like, don't let it control you. That's, that's the issue. Yeah. And like all of us have struggled with, with uh, alcohol and drugs. You know, if you're any kind of person that indulges in like, the good things in life, you're gonna have, you're gonna find a moment where you're like, shit, I've gone too far. And, you know, you just gotta fucking, I call that you yesterday. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> you gotta, but you gotta, you gotta rein it in. You know, that's that's just the way it is. I mean, that's just the way it works. But and, anyway, it's like I don't think it, I don't think abstinence is is the answer. I think like moderation and just yeah. like being cool is the way to be. You know? If if that's an option for you. Yeah, it's I mean, not an option for everybody. Yeah, for some people it's not, and like sometimes you know you just have to like you just have to take a you know a month or two off, just you know reset and like figure it out. It's always yeah, it's always good to take the occasional month off just to make sure you still can. Is what I say. <laughs> like, Absolutely, and the thing about it is like after like the first like okay the first three days of not drinking are kind of difficult, but after that it's like more difficult to get back into drinking. Yeah, it's yeah. You know? like it's like you, you realize like this is more like you're like oh this tastes like poison because <laughs> yeah because it is always like, you know we're definitely what i've always found is when you when you really truly go cold turkey on alcohol there's about seven days in you feel physically much better um yeah. but then another after another week about 14 days in you feel psychologically much better and that's yes. like the greatest thing in the world when your mind starts like making creating happy chemicals on its own. <laughs> and that's, yeah, yeah, Schaefer, that's exactly true. That's I, a I wonderful feeling. It's true. It's true. And like, and once that starts going, like, you, you kind of don't want to fuck that up, you know. Well, so, you know, every time, every time I've done that, it's always day thirty. I'm like, you know, day twenty eight, I'll be like, oh yeah, maybe I'll do this forever. But as soon as day thirty hits, I'm just like, here we go. <laughs> I often, and I often, I often go back much stronger than before. So, I think I've only. Like, anyway, we're, we're getting into like a Alcoholics Anonymous podcast. <laughs> That's what this podcast is. It's it's an AA yeah. podcast. But but I, I just want to say the last thing is that like what I like the best about it is that my sleep is like so much better. Like that's the thing that. Like, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know that's like that's like the thing that's like the game changer for me is like. I can, I can like, I, I can, I can lay down right now and go to sleep. Mm. And that, that is like, I've never, like, that's always been hard for me. But um, now it's like, and maybe it's a weed, but. Uh, All right. right. And like I say, I'm not so. Harm reduction. Sleepy, right. Yes. But you know, right. just try not to, not to drink alcohol for a little while. Mike. But, uh, anyway. How often, okay. how often do you just walk down and gaze at the Mississippi River? <laughs> 
how would you know to ask that fucking question? I just that's one of my favorite things to do when I'm in. I just love just looking at the. Yeah. It's such an amazing, humongous, the, the mighty Mississippi. River. I, yeah, you know. I do that every day. Oh, cool! Because like where my where Justine is, it's, it's literally like it's two blocks from the river. So okay. I, I mean, I can just walk right there. I do it every day. Like I always take like a thirty minute break. And I go down and I look at the river and I just marvel at this. And you know what? I, you know what I think about every single time. The it's snow like, in Minnesota. <laughs> That's in there. That's in that river. Uh, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's what I think about. I didn't mean to. No, 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 now that that you mention it, like uh, I, I should have thought of that, but I didn't. Uh, No, I think of that. um, Jeff Buckley. Oh. Oh wow! Yeah. You know. Was it in the Mississippi that he drowned? Yes. Yeah. I did not know that. Apparently decided to go swimming. It was across, and and actually tomorrow, um, so Algiers Point is uh, right across the river from. Like, I, I look at it every day. And uh, Algiers is, is one of the oldest neighborhoods um, in the country, actually. Yep. Uh, founded in, like, 1721 or something like that. Uh, <clears throat> um, but tomorrow, I'm actually going there to check it out. Um, and I think I think that's where I'm going to end up living. Oh, cool. Uh, just a, like an old, like, you know, blue-collar, like, hard scrabble little place. But, like, I don't know. It just seems really – well, first of all, I just like the name. Algiers, like who the fuck decided to, <laughs> to, to name it Algiers? It's so strange. Well, there was probably some Algerians. I could imagine, <laughs> right? Yeah, maybe. You know, uh, Kathleen Dick's wife, my sister-in-law. Uh, her family uh, was in New Orleans for generations, and they they had a shipbuilding company in Algiers. Um, so I can totally, I can imagine there being some like really cool, like. Old converted lofts, like converted from warehouses to, or you know, factories. I imagine there's a lot of pretty neat stuff there. Well, yeah, and of course there's, there's like a lounge slash you know restaurant bar or whatever called uh, Crown and Anchor, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which uh, which I've seen pictures of, and it's just like this, you know, derelict thing that's sagging in every way. <clears throat> but I want to, I want to see that. I, I don't know. I'm gonna, you know, I'll report back. Give the listeners a taste. By all means, and you'll be Jeez. and you'll be close to the river to gaze upon the river. Absolutely. No, I, I love it, man. Like the thing about the Mississippi River is, like, if you look at it and you think about, like, you, you'd have to be insane to try to swim across that thing. You'd have to be out of your fucking mind. It's like you can see little like currents and you know look like small world. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, that yeah. The river is insane. Yeah. I mean, just stepping into it seems like a dicey thing to me. Yeah, and you so know. the fact, the idea that Jeff Buckley would be like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna swim in this." <laughs> I mean, Where, of course he drowned. Was yeah. it in Louisiana that he tried it, or was it further up? Yeah, it was. No, it was okay. here in New Orleans. Yeah, hmm. yeah, because in like Minneapolis, it would be a much more reasonable affair. I suppose it'd be a lot colder. Yeah, um, but no, I guess the idea was he was just like drinking a beer or whatever. And, and talking to somebody, I was like, you know what? I'm going to swim across the river and jumped in. And, uh, goodbye. Good night. That was it. And, you know, he's a, I like him. He's a pretty good guy. Yeah, that's like, some sad shit, man. Every every time I hear his version of Hallelujah, I think of, of that. Of his yeah, that's a great untimely yeah. passing, you know. Well, all right. Hey, he, I just want to say to you guys, um, yeah, your podcast is getting really great. 
the last one with Alex was uh, was really cool. It's really good. Thank you so much. We really yeah. don't hear that very often. So. We get so little feedback in general, <laughs> and and what we do. Particularly from someone who knows podcasts. Wait, I got a couple more questions for Mike before he, get, he he's not getting out of there. That he's, oh. Mike, Mike, um, Mike, how do you have a, a an Instagram? You've got six posts. You've got five hundred and seventy followers. I mean, if you well, if you scale I'm, that up by posts, you could be huge, mate. <laughs> well, I used to do only one at a time, um, but I was following the Maurizio Catalan uh, model. I stopped doing that. Um, <laughs> So, uh, like, tomorrow I'll erase all of them and start over again. Um, oh, you delete uh, posts? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I see. I, I didn't yeah. consider that, Shavy. I didn't, didn't occur to me either. <laughs> um, yeah, I see and, these uh, are, these are also, New Orleans-related posts, I can yeah, tell. Well, did you see the one that said, I, don't, I can't remember what it says, but it's like, so-and-so is a narcissist. I see a butter slut. (laughs) Butter slut. Butter slut is a selfish, lying narcissist. (laughs) True words. I just love that someone named butter slut is considered a narcissist. (laughs) True words have never been spoken about butter slut. Let me tell you. I think that I think that's actually our poetry corner tonight. (laughs) I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna read it like poetry. Hold on. Butter slut is a selfish, lying narcissist. It is is what it says. Yeah, a little, you know, little French quarter haiku. The thing about that I've been trying to figure out is: is butter slut female or male? And like, who's like, who's so pissed off at butter slut today? Felt the need to graffiti a fucking trash can about them. <laughs> <laughs> Call them a narcissist. Yeah, one wonders if that is. If that is Butter Slut's trash can. This is a great oh, pick. Yeah. It's got oh, the... You know what? Maybe, maybe they did it. Maybe, maybe Butter Slut wrote that. You know? I mean, who knows? A, a, who a knows? confession? A trash can confession? I like a how trash the... trash can confession. I like how the fleur-de-lis is on everything. You can also see the fleur-de-lis in the top of that... Uh, on the top of that bin. I didn't realize that Norlands had a relationship with the fleur-de-lis. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what? You know what? Though that's that's the thing about the city that I actually really love. Like it's it's disgusting in a million ways, but it, there's moments of absolute like beauty. Yeah. Um, I mean, just looking at the river, for example, is a good one. But also, like walking down the street and hearing somebody, you know, practicing their trumpet, like in their apartment, like that happens like on a regular basis here. That's pretty cool. Like that's what I like about about living here. You know, it's. It's weird, and it doesn't make any sense. And like this, I don't think this city will exist for very much longer. Um, all, all it's going to take is one more big catastrophe, like a, you know, another hurricane or something, and it's it's going to be gone. But right now, I have to say, and like I'm not trying to, to be like corny about it or whatever, but I'm just glad that I kind of get to be a part of it for a little while because I don't, I think it's one of those things like it's going to go away. It's not yeah. going to be here forever, and. And also, I'll, I'll add, one of, one of the best moments uh, of my life was, like, when I was very young, and I was with Schaefer, actually, and we were on a balcony here. I think we were probably at some restaurant off of Bourbon Street, and I watched Schaefer just take, um, like, a half a dozen oysters and just jam them down his throat <laughs> like, he didn't, like he didn't give a fuck. And I was like, I was like, yeah, 
Yeah, that's the way to do it right there. <laughs> yeah. Inspirational. Like, like I still I still do it to this day. Like when whenever I you know get oysters, like I, I just like unapologetically <laughs> attack them and just like murder them uh, just that's, like Schiffer did. That's so, the only way to do it. Nice. It's the only way to do it. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes me want some oysters, but it's February. Can't do oysters in February, right? No, it's it not mu- the best time. Yeah, okay. Um, Mike, thanks for taking time to talk to us, man. My pleasure. Yeah, I really appreciate I, it. It was a I, fun, fun, fun chat. I feel like Mike's the best guest we've had. Partial, one reason is because he had actually heard the show before. Yeah. and Said he, nice things about us. And he said nice <laughs> things about us, and he was just like talking real talk. Yeah. Which all of our guests are usually just full of propaganda and, and like just plugging their movies and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Alex Battles just like obviously like just shameless plugs right and left. Yeah, God. he's a shill. Well, not everybody can be bidet correspondent. Mike Simmons. Yeah, that's me. I'm your, I'm your Chris Hayes. Thanks so much, buddy. Start with a Z. Uh, we'll have to do this again soon. This was easy and fun. Ask him if yeah, he knows man, our sign off. Hey, love you guys. Uh, thanks for, uh, for having me on. I appreciate you it. Do you know our sign off, Mike? No, uh, uh, no, 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 no. I do, but I don't. Come on, it? come on, man. <laughs> Pull it know, from the ether. We've asked everybody. I'll start it and you finish it, Mike. I literally took note of it this morning when I was uh, taking a shower. I'll, I'll start. I'll, I'll start it. And you can finish it. I'll try. The poor of the choices. Uh, um, the sweet of um, the wine. I don't know, babe. The sweet of the wine. The sweet of the wine. Say the sweet of the wine. We love you. We love you. We love everyone listening. All right. Love y'all too. All right, Mike. All right. You say the poor of the choices. The poor of the choices. The sweet of the wine. Say
be alright Step into the sunshine Then your fearlessness will guide you to the middle of the center Everyone's a winner Open your mind, open your heart Narrow minds and broken hearts Lost in the dark, dark. Searching for solutions Shout into those shackles Fall right off your sacred chakras Then your steps will become bigger And your stride will surely trigger You can change the world with love Oh yeah Step into the goodness Step into the light And it will be alright Open your mind, open your heart If you can't see the front cover There's always a flip side Perspective to discover